When we think about book burnings throughout history, more often than not the first things that will come to mind will be related to the burning of the Library of Alexandria, the destruction of ancient manuscripts by the church during the Middle Ages, or the book burnings done by the Nazis and totalitarian regimes across the planet in the 20th century. These were often related to religious, scientific, political, and philosophical ideas that challenged the ideology of extremists who would rather destroy information than learn from it. However, there was one series of events that would lead to book burnings of an entirely different kind that took place in the United States all the way back in the 1950s. These were not a reaction to specific philosophies nor politics in a direct way, but were caused by the dire warnings of a Puritan psychiatrist who saw the youth of America being corrupted by a revolutionary kind of literature. We are talking, of course, about the rise and fall of American horror comics. Hello ghouls, and welcome to the Grimcore Studios podcast, a place where we celebrate all things horror, from comic books to films, video games, and much, much more. Now you might be wondering, what in the nine circles of hell is Grimcore Studios? Well, we're glad you asked. Grimcore Studios is a new horror comic book publisher dedicated to creating new original stories and curating genre classics for modern audiences to enjoy. I am your host, Daniel Grimm the head ghoul in charge of this wicked little enterprise, and I'll be your guide as we start this adventure into the unknown. Hit the subscribe button and follow us to receive some of the best horror content. The year was 1929, and the American public had been consuming a new exciting form of entertainment for a few years. Pulp magazines were cheap, accessible anthologies that collected short stories written by up-and-coming writers and veterans alike, who would usually dive into genres that were considered low literature by the mainstream public, such as westerns, science fiction, fantasy, and of course, horror. Millions of readers would course through the pages of titles like Amazing Stories, Western Story Magazine, and the famous Weird Tales, which saw the first published works by one Howard Philip Lovecraft. We can trace the origin of a lot of popular culture to these early magazines that would publish short stories by the likes of Robert E. Howard, creator of Conan the Barbarian, and other authors like Philip K. Dick and Isaac Asimov. This, dear listener, was the birthing ground of modern science fiction and fantasy storytelling as we know it today. Very soon, these pulp magazines would evolve into a different revolutionary medium. At around the same time, mass-distributed newspapers had been incorporating short comic strips, such as The Yellow Kid and other comics, usually related to cartoon animals, funny children, or some kind of adventure adapting literary classics. Legend has it that one very intelligent newspaper salesman in New York caught up to the fact that many kids would go to his stand just to buy the newspapers that would carry their favorite comic strips. So he started assembling all the most successful comic strips in magazine format and selling those. They were obviously a massive hit, and magazine publishers soon started to take note. In 1934, Eastern Color Printing published what historians now consider to be the first American comic book, titled Funnies on Parade, A Carnival of Comics. And in 1938, two young Jewish immigrants named Jerry Seigel and Joe Schuster would publish the first Superman story in Action Comics issue 1, kickstarting a boom in the medium that made comics a large part of the American cultural identity. Many immigrants and members of marginalized communities found their voice in the medium as artists, writers, and editors who would create all sorts of stories in different genres. During World War II, many soldiers who went to Europe or the Pacific would carry 
comic books with them, mostly superhero and comedy titles. And for a long time, comic books were the most successful form of printed media in the United States, selling millions of copies on the regular. Unfortunately, after World War II, the American perception of media had changed drastically. Reports of the atrocities committed by the Nazis and their allies during the Holocaust had made their way to the general public, and as a result, most American media post-World War II actually avoided any mention or depiction of violence. The sales of superhero comics plummeted, with only a few titles like Superman or Batman being able to survive, only by becoming extremely tamed versions of their original iterations. This is where a lot of the weird memes you've probably seen online come from, with Superman being more focused on winning a hot dog eating competition than saving the world from corrupt politicians or brutal dictators, as he did in his first appearances. For a while, it seemed that comics would be confined to be a form of media that was purely aimed towards children. This would start to change in 1947 as Avon Publishing, a publisher that mostly produced paperback romance novels and reprints of newspaper comic strips, released the first issue of Eerie, the first American horror comic book in history. The comic was a compilation of short stories, all between 5 and 6 pages, dealing with zombies, mad scientists, homicidal maniacs, and more. The comic did not make too much of an impact on the public, but very soon, the following year in 1948, Adventures into the Unknown was published by ACG, the American Comics Group. This series was also an anthology, full of stories dealing with alien horrors, psycho killers, demons, ancient beings, cursed relics, and zombies. A whole lot of zombies. The the first few issues were mostly written by Frank Belknap Long, a very famous science fiction and horror writer who was a contemporary of H.P. Lovecraft and was an early contributor to the Cthulhu mythos. His signature style of self-conclusive horror stories with shocking twists and surprise endings would go on to become the golden standard in the comics industry, and soon after seeing the massive success of the magazine among readers, other publishers started to follow suit, with one in particular becoming the undisputed king of horror comics. William Gaines was born in 1922 to a Jewish household in Brooklyn, New York. His father, Max Gaines, had been one of the main editors behind the boom of DC superhero comic books, and he had actually been directly involved with approving the publishing of Wonder Woman, the first female superhero. William grew up surrounded by the power of the medium and exploring different storytelling styles. After a short stint in the United States Army, he tried to pursue a career as a chemistry teacher until his father died tragically in a boating accident in 1947. William was left with a powerful inheritance and burden, his father's publisher, Educational Comics, a small company focused on children's stories. After taking over as the head of the company, William decided they should pursue a different path for their books. Very possibly inspired by the success of Adventures into the Unknown and the great creative possibilities, William and his editors Harvey Kurtzman and Ald Feldstein launched a new line of comic books that focused on the genres of war stories, science fiction, and the most successful successful genre horror. They published their first comic anthology series, The Vault of Horror, in 1950, and it was soon followed by The Haunt of Fear and the iconic Tales from the Crypt, which were smash hits and shocked audiences throughout the country. William changed the name of the company to Entertaining Comics, and so the legendary EC Comics was born. The stories in EC Comics titles were groundbreaking. Following the formula of self-conclusive horror stories with unexpected twists, the stories found in their comics were full of vampires, zombies, mad 
scientists, demonic entities, ghosts, and much more. Most of the stories had a certain form of irony, and they portrayed gore in a way that hadn't been seen in mainstream media, featuring decapitations and murder in a time where American art still presented mostly pacifist tendencies after World War II. The magazines would be the birthing ground of many of comics' most famous talents, like Frank Frazetta, Wally Wood, Johnny Craig, and a whole lot more who would go on to define comics for the next decades. They were very consistent with showing and supporting their artists, oftentimes including their names in the credits when this was not common practice among other publishers at the time. The stories of EC often had very progressive messages and touched on topics like racial discrimination, anti-Semitism, sexual exploitation, and drug use, all things that were rampant and prevalent in American society even if media refused to cover these issues out of a Puritan sense of decorum. William Gaines was committed to telling the best horror stories there could be, and EC Comics became the dominant name in the comic publishing industry, selling millions of copies of its titles and kickstarting the American horror comics obsession of the 1950s. Soon, a whole lot of publishers started launching their own series featuring horror comics. Aaron A. Wynn and his wife Rose, who were veteran Pulp Fiction publishers, launched their comic The Beyond through their company Ace Magazines. Quality Comics launched Web of Evil, which was one of the first comics to portray drug addiction. Fawcett Comics, known for the famous Captain Marvel comic books that had been rivaling Superman for years, launched Beware Terror Tales, an anthology featuring horror comics from the most talented artists in the industry. These and countless other publishers started releasing new horror comic anthologies, all trying to replicate the success of EC Comics. Only one publisher ever got close enough to being a true rival to the titanic EC Comics. Harvey Comics was founded in 1941 by cartoonist Alfred Harvey, who brought in his brothers Robert and Leon into the business to manage it with him after he acquired a smaller publishing company named Brookwood Publications. Like many other comic creators of his generation, Alfred was born in Brooklyn, New York, and had served in World War II at the Pentagon together with famous artist Jack Kirby, who would go on to co-create the Fantastic Four, Hulk, Thor, and countless other characters with Stan Lee and Marvel in the 1960s. Alfred had gained great success in the comic industry by acquiring the rights to famous syndicated characters like the Green Hornet and Dick Tracy, and Harvey Comics children's books like Casper the Friendly Ghost were smash hits with young readers throughout the world. However, Alfred had always wanted to expand the scope of the company to other genres besides children's comics and superheroes, and in 1951, the first issue of Chamber of Shills was published. Chamber of Shills was another huge success, created to be a direct opponent of EC Comics titles. Alfred hired a talented young artist named Howard Nostrand to study the art style of EC Comics' best-selling artists so he could replicate it. Not only did Howard replicate the art style of comics like Tales from the Crypt to perfection, he improved on it and added his own personal touch, aiming to create some of the most disturbing visuals in the medium. Together with artist Warren Kramer, who was known for the fluidity and realism of his artwork, Howard pushed what comics were capable of under the guidance of Alfred Harvey, and he decided to make all comics comics gorier, scarier, and more shocking than whatever EC Comics was publishing at the time. Rotting corpses, decaying zombies, decapitated heads, dismembered bodies, all of these graced the pages of Chamber of Shills with tremendous intensity. The series started to rise on the charts and became one of the heaviest hitters in the game in no time, and soon other titles like Tomb of Terror and Witch's Tales were launched by Harvey Comics, going all into the horror genre. 
From the years 1949 to 1954, the American comic book industry was dominated by horror comics. Dozens of publishers had launched their own anthologies and were reaping the benefits. Readers throughout the country were obsessed with the edgy, violent nature of the stories. Unfortunately, it was this very violence that caught the attention of one particular psychologist named Frederick Wertham. If you are a comic book fan, you have probably heard of this guy. But even among hardcore fans, the name may not ring a bell. Frederick Wertham was a German-American psychiatrist and author who had a big reputation as a progressive psychotherapist for offering mental health care to black communities on his clinic during the 1950s. His work would be quoted in Brown versus the Board of Education and other legal procedures that were aiming to end racial segregation laws in America. There is no doubt that Frederick Wertham had a very positive impact with his psychiatric work. Unfortunately, he also decided to take an extremist stand against all comic books, which he saw as a dreadful form of pseudo-art that damaged the mental health of young people. Wertham published a book titled The Seduction of the Innocent, in which he described that comics were inciting American youth to violence and degeneracy. He cited things like Batman and Robin being in a pederastic relationship, Wonder Woman being a terrible example for young girls because she wanted to be independent and not raise a family, and horror comics being inducive to episodes of violence and possibly demonic worship. He certainly was a complicated figure, so much good work in some areas, but in others he really showed how prejudiced and ignorant he was. Goes to show an education doesn't guarantee intelligence in all areas. His book caused an uproar across the country. Legions of concerned parents gathered their children's comic book collections and burned them in massive piles. Thousands upon thousands of comics were burned in public fires where parents chanted against the demonic entities that made these evil books for their innocent children. The top names on this list were the usual suspects. EC Comics. The United States Congress realized they had a huge issue in their hands, and in 1954 they called for William Gaines, the leader of EC Comics, to appear in front of the Senate Subcommittee on Juvenile Delinquency. In these meetings, they brought in several comic book artists and publishers who were put under scrutiny for the work they did. The cover of one of EC's titles, presenting the bloody decapitated head of a woman being held by an axe murderer, was used as damning evidence against horror comics as a whole. While Gaines tried to defend his work saying that it was appropriate for a horror comic, the committee still considered it to be dangerous for younger readers. The hearings proved unconclusive and no publisher was prosecuted nor were any laws passed that banned horror content from comic books. Unfortunately, while this may have sounded like good news, the American public was enraged. The perception of comic books was that they were immoral books that would lead children down a path of depravity and satanism. Similar to satanic panic in the 80s, many preachers and religious institutions started condemning comic altogether as a demonic art form that shouldn't be consumed. More comics were burned and some publishing companies even started to close shop, unable to survive the uproar. In order to keep the industry afloat, an organization named the Comics Magazine Association of America launched the Comics Code Authority, an official seal of approval that basically meant that the comics that had that in their cover were considered safe for children and appropriate. It was similar to many of the lists churches would come out with in the 1980s and 90s, listing the musicians and bands that were okay to listen to. The rules in the Comics Code Authority prohibited any kind of sexual imagery, death, blood, or gore of any kind, and even the mere mentions of words like vampire or zombie were forbidden. Some publishers that made superhero books and funny comics were able to survive by placing the symbol on their covers and changing their content to fit the strict guidelines. 
guidelines, but horror publishers were left with no other choice but to close their companies. Parents would not let their children read any comics that did not have the seal of approval of the Comics Code Authority, if they even let their children read any comics at all, after the moral panic surrounding the medium. Many of our modern negative conceptions about geek culture come from this very point in time, when reading comic books was considered to be a path down evil and mental insanity. As such, the industry collapsed and all the publishers that had been releasing regular horror comics that were selling millions of copies were now having to cancel all their titles and finding new jobs. Some publishers survived the fall of the horror series market. Harvey Comics decided to focus on making comics based on famous cartoons and continued to work on Casper the Friendly Ghost, Rishi Rish, and other famous series. EC Comics cancelled all their horror titles shortly after and decided to focus entirely on their comedy magazine, Mad Magazine, which would go on to become one of the most important satirical publications in history. As the decades passed and copyright law changed, many of the comics published during the 50s passed on to the public domain, since many of the publishers that would have renewed their copyright were not around anymore, and the few that did survive the crash of the market did not want anything to do with the titles that had caused that fall in the first place. Only a few publishers like EC Comics would make sure to retain the rights to their original horror comics, hoping that there would come a time when they would be able to come to light again. The legacy of these comics is unmatched. Writers and filmmakers like Stephen King and George Romero cite the horror comics from the 1950s as some of their main inspirations behind their work, with the Creepshow franchise in particular being a direct homage to these titles. Reprints of these comics have been brought to light for new generations of readers to enjoy through publishers like IDW and more recently ourselves at Grimcore Studios. The series Tales from the Crypt was a beloved horror franchise for a new generation of horror fans back in the 90s. Due to hundreds of these comics being in the public domain, they've become available online where they are discovered by new horror comics fans every day. In fact, if you are looking to read some of these awesome comics, we've included a link in the description of this episode where you can get a copy of Four Color Fear, a 320-page anthology of remastered horror comics from the 50s published by Fantagraphic Books. I have the same volume on my shelf and trust me, it's a wonderful read. I genuinely believe everybody should read these comics. They are a very important part of our cultural heritage, not only in horror or comic books, but American history as a whole. Horror comics from the 50s were a reflection of the dangers, obsessions, and fears of the age. Many of the artists were World War II veterans who witnessed the carnage caused by the war throughout Europe, or immigrants who experienced systemic discrimination and persecution and expressed that in their comics. They were the war cry of a generation who had seen the world go through brutality and refused to stay silent or pretend it did not happen, as it continued to die deeper into violence. They were pushing boundaries and expressing the deepest, most powerful ideas of their time through one of the most underground genres in the world, and made a killing doing it. In my humble opinion, this was the most experimental, revolutionary, and fascinating period in the history of American comics, and it set the basis for what the medium would do for decades afterwards, even in other genres. It is fair to say that horror walked so that superheroes could fly. Well, ghouls, thank you for listening to this episode of the Grimcore Studios podcast. If you enjoyed listening to it, hit that like button and subscribe. That will help us immensely in keeping the show going and creating original horror stories for you to enjoy. If you'd like to stay in touch with us, follow our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Grimcore Studios. That is G-R-I-M-M-C-O 
R-E Studios. Speaking of Facebook, we got a Facebook group called the Grimcore Horror Social Club where we share free and legal horror movies every Friday and where you'll get to interact with all the Grimcore creators and other horror fans. It's a really nice, really, really, really nice time. We also have a free monthly email newsletter where we share horror news, book reviews, movie recommendations, exclusive interviews that you won't get on this podcast, and more importantly, free vintage horror comics from the 1950s. Trust me, they're a trip. They're so much fun. Now, all links are in the caption for this episode. Go through them. Enjoy it. That is all for now, ghouls. Now stay safe, stay spooky, and enjoy the fear. Until next time.